Hello everyone, welcome to a delayed version of the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, I am the host of the delayed version of the Big Monday Show. My co-host on the delayed version of the Big Monday Show, Mr. Barry Spears, will be here in just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to recap the Florida Derby and the undercard. Mr. Spears was in attendance along with the other Mr. Spears, so we had double Spears at the... Uh, the Florida Derby. We'll talk a little bit about uh, about uh, this weekend's upcoming races. Uh, they were drawn. The Santa Anita card and the um, Aqueduct card were drawn today. Had just a little bit of time to glance over them. Uh, the Bluegrass card was drawn the other day, so we've had some time to digest that. And we'll talk about the Bluegrass and. Uh, Whatever else uh, happens to be on the mind of Mr. Spears tonight, we will um, be back here in just one minute. Mr. Spears. Mr. Simon. Glad to have you join us here on this uh, delayed Big Monday show. It's a big Wednesday. That's because of basketball. Because of basketball and because D-Gen Nation would not let me. <laughs> they had their, their claws into you. <laughs> yes, uh, on Monday night at the Pomp, we had a, a big night over there. Had a lot of fun. We're going to try to do uh, our first podcast from a remote location, except uh, it, it might have been. Uh, yeah, guys needed to be sober. <laughs> it would have been impossible, so. Yes, yeah, so there was a lot of people. sobriety around over at the uh, pump on Monday, but uh, it was a good time, and uh, uh, we we did have a, a, an excellent time, and uh, the people that won the ninth race got uh, <laughs> Big Mike Stanton and uh, Swift Hitter got in their winner's circle pictures, whether they liked <laughs> it or not, and uh, they actually seemed like they had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I heard my man, I heard my man Billy Koch was uh, heckling drivers. Billy Koch was heckling drivers, telling, instructing them not to be looking at the toad board. <laughs> he said, what's up to Dave Miller? Like, it wasn't the guy that won 15,000 races. Dave Miller looked at him like he was nuts. But, uh, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was all in good fun. And uh, um, CJ was there. CJ. My guy. Yeah. Paul Wall Jr. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, A.K.A. Biff. I call him Biff Tannen. Piff Tannen. But it was it was overall it was it was a it was a good it was a, it was a nice night. Uh hung out with Dylan some uh, shoe showed up at of course after the races were already over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no it was it was fun and uh, uh there's not gonna be much more pomp left here. It's uh we're closing in. Uh, once uh. we get to April we're we're down to three days, and, and the end is drawing near. And unfortunately, I think next year is going to be the at, the end for the pomp. I think uh, that is going to be the final year of racing at the uh, long, long storied history of harness racing. Yeah, Park. It's, it's such a sad thing to see that one go. It really is. It's it's just uh, continuing in a line of track closes. Um, that um, you know, we we've seen so many tracks close uh, in the thoroughbred business, and the standardbred business is 
It's probably worse. There's probably more um, tracks that have been closed over the last 20, 25 years than, uh, than the thoroughbred business. But uh, either way, it's uh, still a ways away. So, you know, we'll worry about that when it comes. But, uh, but you were in attendance uh, this weekend at the Florida Derby. We had a, a double spear situation. Oh, man. That's very rare, but but always like, you know, like a like an eclipse, a total eclipse. It, it was. It was like a rare total eclipse and, and managed to stay out of trouble. There, was, there wasn't enough people there. I was really. going to say, <laughs> I was going to say you couldn't couldn't really move anywhere. You couldn't go around and get into trouble. There was a lot um, of police, though. The gym aspect. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm still wondering how much money he got for your shirt. He claims a hundred dollars. I mean, I let the that's guy. That's gangster. Borrow. I would have been like, "Hey, man, this that's... is the story." For the people wondering, Mr. Dave Spears, who is the unofficial mayor of, of uh, Saratoga, he always visits during the winter season. His visits have ranged from three days to thirty days, so you never exactly <laughs> know about how long he's going to, you know, set up shop down here. And as such, he didn't really have. A whole lot of um, gear, not fancy clothes, but, you know, shirts with buttons and things like that. So I loaned him a shirt. It was a nice shirt, too. Was. (laughs) After the Florida Derby, we kind of lost track of him at the beach in Hollywood. (laughs) He came home later that night and he did not have the shirt on. He had a different shirt on. And I said, what happened to the shirt? And he said, I sold it. <laughs> so I said, well, how much did you get for it? And he said, $100. And I'm thinking, I've only paid like 40 for the shirt new, you know? So I was like, you got $100 for that shirt? Like, why? <laughs> he started to go into this long, convoluted story. And I was like, all right, all right. Hey. <laughs> how much of the, how much of the hundred do I get? Because it was my shirt. Drank it all, man. So should I ask for fifty dollars? Uh, you know, I mean, he did the selling of the shirt, obviously, but I, I don't know. But as it turned out, I haven't yet got anything. I blame I blame Filiberto. Uh, yeah, Filiberto was. Uh, I, I should have had revenge on Filiberto. Saturday because he was feeling no pain and he wanted to. Oh sleep man, in. he was. He wanted lit. sleeping on my patio on the ground. Dude, he was lit, yeah. like supreme on another level. Yeah, he he went to uh, he went to the grade one drunk status. Yeah, he yeah. And then we put a fan on him because we weren't sure he was going to actually survive, but <laughs> he he bounced back and you know next morning he was up and at him. But um, it was it was a fun time. It was a little weird. Uh, I got stuck upstairs. Yeah, you did eating One buffet of, food. Yeah, no, no, buffet food was all right. Someone else paid, which was always a good thing. I had a sponsor. But um, I, I tried to go back down to join the you know the regular people, and uh, they were telling me I couldn't go over there. And I was like, Well, why? Well, your wristband is for second floor. I said, I know, but. In order to get to the second floor, you still, you got to get to the first floor, right? <laughs> and it was one of those security guards that was probably there, you know, one day. And uh, I had to actually sneak out of the 
10, 10, 10 Palms dining room to go downstairs. That's a but, tough uh, ask because that, that place is like almost like one way in, one way out. It's amazing. And, and the person who left me the ticket said, all right, they're at the box office. So I went to the box office, except it was the wrong box office. Oh, no, no, you, you're supposed to go to the other box office. I was like, I'll be honest, I didn't even know they had two. <laughs> they had two? <laughs> just those two, a north and a south. And I didn't bring my compass. And it's like a little bit of a maze. You know, they had things set up and seemed like a little bit of overkill, but whatever. A little bit? I was being nice. Oh, okay. Sarcasm. Yes. Get it. What wasn't really nice was the fact that my um, my ticket cashing prowess, uh, well, I kind of sucked until the last race. <laughs> It was a lot of chalk. It was. So that that's not my cup of tea. Usually um when when things kinda get chalky, I, I tend to lose. Um but I did okay. I I I really did well in the second half of the card. Well, I should have known things were gonna be chalk fest. Well, I said should have known things were gonna be tough when the horse I liked in the Dubai World Cup broke through the gate and ran off. Mm. Then was just kind of like trotting along very slowly, and the outrider like didn't catch him. And <laughs> I can say one thing: the Dubai outriders are not Grade One outriders. No. no. But, it's funny. My wife calls that the the Pepe Le Pew trot when they when they do that. Mm-hmm. Like they just bounce around. <laughs> yeah, and just... and he just didn't catch him. I I don't understand that, but. No, no, it was uh, it was kind of a it was kind of a tough betting day, at least at least for me. It was frustrating for me. I mean, I, I wanted to see some more prices, but I couldn't get around the horses that that kind of won. They were they were very logical. Probably the best horses won most of the races. Um, Julian put him to sleep in one race on the grass really badly, and then he he came and and nailed Irad at the wire, which kind of made my day. So, can't complain. No, it, it goes, you know, it goes, it comes and goes and comes and goes. But uh, for me, the other day, it, it mostly went. Um, you know, the Florida Derby itself, now, this is a bit of a a, a cheap plug, but the Going in Circles Digest had the winner of a derby prep again. Sure they did. And that we pressed on the, the known agenda button, thinking that he was going to get the jump on Greatest Honor, which is what he did. Yep, exactly. We, we also did not believe um, – we, did, we didn't really believe in the hype. Um, of Collaborate and – yeah, we didn't fall for that shit. We we didn't we didn't <laughs> go for the, the collaborate hype and and uh, uh, of course I've I've been against Spielberg since he was fold. Dude, it, you know what? This is crazy you say that because I use known agenda in in Spielberg only, and it probably took away from from me winning more money. Those are the only yeah. horses I use. I I I mean. I couldn't not use known agenda because I saw him run at Tampa 
and he he clearly just didn't like the track. Yeah, he didn't. He, he was sluggish at Tampa. He, he yeah, was, he didn't run at all for at least no. until the last two hundred yards of that race. He he did nothing, and he flew like almost on the outside, just flew by everybody late, and got fifth. And I was like, I don't think this horse liked that track. So I, I had to use them both, even though I, you know, I, I love Spielberg. Fact. I leaned heavy on Spielberg, but well, Spielberg I couldn't. Spielberg broke a little slow, slow, and then he was yeah. just wide, wide, wide. He just the whole way. At that, I mean, I, I'm not. I didn't like him, but the the post really destroyed any chance he had once he broke slow. Because what are you going to do? And and you know, a lot of people are are ragging on Greatest Honors Ride, and. My question to them is, what exactly is the jockey supposed to do when you have a one-run closer and the horse doesn't break that well in an 11-horse field with a short run to the first turn? Your two options are cut to the inside, save ground, and try to work the trip out, or go seven wide. And the seven wide trip doesn't work ever, ever, ever. You can't go wide both turns. So... Again, it's clear that the horse doesn't really appreciate being inside horses. But that's the problem with horses like um, like Greatest Honor. And, and it's something, uh, especially at, at Gulfstream. And it's, it's an issue that, you know, going forward to the Derby is going to be a problem as well. Because if you can't even get him to get into position to make the wide sweeping move to, you know, hoping, hoping that it like, like a, like a trotter, right. They'll follow cover. And a lot of times um, when you pull them off cover, some of them take a little while to get, right. To get their engine going. Then they really go. And that's the type of horse he is. Other ones, as soon as they come off cover, they roll. And he is just a horse that, that doesn't have that, that quickest acceleration right. until he gets free. So if he's going to be a horse, that's just going to be bottled up and, and you have to get everything working your way for him to get, you know, kind of a running start to get his momentum going. Well, man, in a 20 horse field, it's going to be difficult. And I think he's a really talented horse. I think he's a little faster on the numbers. At least he is in the thoroughbreds than, than he's given credit for uh, I think the mile and a quarter will be fine. I just wonder that if he draws on the inner part of the race, the inner third of the the starting gate, uh, I just don't know how he's going to shake loose. And right. of course, it's a twenty horse field. There's a you know more than a quarter mile run to the first turn, or at least it seems like it. So there's a long, long ways to, to get position. I just don't know if he's good enough to take a position five wide before wide in the first turn, five wide in the second turn or six wide in the second turn and still beat the best horses. I, I just don't know if he's that type of horse. And, um, you know, my problem with him is, uh, you know, if he's not going to be able to come inside of horses and, and maintain uh, or not, not maintain, but, you know, be able to accelerate really quick when the hole opens or when he gets outside of horses, it's more of a plotter, and and that's that's tough. That's a tough horse to take at a short price. Absolutely, the the trip that I envisioned getting him getting in the Derby pretty much 
Um, I'd say regardless of post, almost. I mean, you know, obviously the far outside, you got to do some different things. But um, I don't know if you remember a few years back, it was uh, the trip Normandy invasion got. Um, he, he was completely shut off. Probably would have won. I think it was the orb year, right? Um, got shut off completely and to me was the absolute winner of that race for that not happening. Um, but it was, it, it kind of reminds me, you know, what I think is going to happen is he's going to get pinned down on the rail, just like he did the other day and not able to get out. And if he gets stopped at any point, it's going to kill all of his momentum and he can't accelerate. I mean, we, we saw that on Saturday when he was pinned inside collaborate was slowing down and he had to stay inside a little bit longer than he wanted to. Um, I think if he gets out a little bit sooner, he'd get second. He probably wouldn't have got the winner. Um, but, you know, he got slowed down and it, and it cost him a placing. Um, I can't see a horse like that unless they just get no straws in their path at all in the derby to overcome that kind of running style and winning. I mean, he really would have to have a clear outside run, and that's very, very difficult to do. I mean, it's it's almost pure luck. No, when, when you look at the trip known agenda got, he got the trip that Greatest Honor got, except he got it in front of him. In front him. of him, right. And he was able to move up on the inside, and when he came around horses – he accelerated pretty quick. Yeah, he even bumped the, the second place horse a little bit. He, he brushed him. It wasn't a bump. Yeah, right, exactly. But um, he, yeah, the like he said, he. The Axe Stewards would have taken him down, but, you know. He, he, <laughs> he switched leads and kind of took off at that point. Um, that was the thing that I, I, I thought that gave him the advantage over Greatest Honor, especially at Gulfstream, is that he was going to be ahead of him and he was going to get the jump on him. And and that's what happened. And uh, that doesn't mean that we're geniuses. I mean, it wasn't like he was, uh, you know, 50 to 1. But um, the blinkers added certainly have, have helped that horse show a lot more speed um, than he had been his previous couple. And uh, it certainly got him more in the game. And, you know, sometimes blinkers on, blinkers off. I was in the paddock TVG one time, and Jill Byrne asked me, and she was working with TVG, and, uh, I can't remember. I think it was putting blinkers on a horse or taking one off. And it was kind of like a horse that kept running fourth and fifth and never made a move and didn't have a lot of early speed, didn't have a lot of late speed, you know. So I was just trying something different. And uh, she said to me in the pre-race um, you know, interview, well, you know, why why are you, you know, making the blinker change? And and my comment to her was, why not? <laughs> just because. She wasn't really <laughs> expecting that. And it was kind of like a dead pause. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I said, honestly, I, I just trying to shake it up, just trying to do something different, you know, because uh, the horse has just been really one paced. And I don't think it actually helped. But but for, for um, known agenda, it's certainly it, it's hard to make the argument that it hasn't helped because his two races um, have been really good since he added the blinkers. And, and maybe he just loves Gulfstream. And uh, I think one of the big problems with the Derby Trail the way it, it's run these days is that there's so many unknowns because horses run so infrequently and we have so many horses with two and three and four starts that we're not really sure what they like because a lot of times <laughs> they've started once sprinting and you know a lot of them aren't aren't great at that or they're they blow out win, win by six 
uh, and then they try two turns, and and it's not you know not the same. But but um, well, look at you know, soup and sandwich for example. <laughs> he kind of falls in that category, and and so does collaborate. But look at the two different directions they they went. Yeah, look, I mean, soup and sandwich broke his maiden in a Florida bred maiden race, um, going six and a half furlongs in a good time, up close to the pace. Then he shipped to Tampa and he ran in a three horse race and the horse who was third, um, you know, was like a beaten 25 claimer. So I, I just, it's just hard to really make much out of the race. He looked good, but I mean, there's only two other horses in the race. So it's hard to not look good. And they did get him to rate a little bit that day, but the other, you know, in the Florida Derby, he really was the undoing, um, of collaborate because he wouldn't let him go and you know he, he kept uh him and nova rags kind of um yeah they bullied him hard a little bit and nova rags just kind of you know i, I think they will just get tired I, I honestly just don't think nova rags is is quite i think that was probably his best race but he probably just isn't quite good enough at this point um you know he got beat seven lengths in the race and I mean, you can pretty much forget the rest. Um, I mean, I know uh, Andy certainly was trying to make the case that Collaborate didn't race that bad, but he did get beat 15 lengths in this race. Um, So it's not like this was a a rapidly run race either. I don't know what the the sheet number, the thoroughgraph number is, but I know Known Agenda got a 94 buyer number. You know, so getting beat 30, you know, that's about 30 points. So that gets you in the 60s. So I think collaborates time uh, as a serious three-year-old going two turns is uh, is, is on ice. Um, Papa, too, just never really got Not into, the right into the race. He was he was caught wide and just yeah. no trip. <laughs> Quantum, League, Sligo, so Giraffalese, they, they just were never involved. Um, Southern Passage. Uh, was it just, uh, you know, past a couple <laughs> tired ones. Um, but Super Sandwich ran a good race. Definitely. And, I mean, he, he did run a good race. The thing I don't like about horses like him is that that um, we've seen a lot of horses in recent times with form like his go to the Kentucky Derby and run poorly in the Kentucky Derby and never really uh, amount to much after that. And that's my problem. And, you know, Mark Cassie and, and I'm sure Live Oak sees it differently. They see they have a talented horse. But you've run a six for a long race. You run a three-horse race. And you ran second in the Florida Derby, though you didn't offer a whole lot of uh, resistance to the winner. Um, so, like, you're going to go into the Kentucky Derby off of that? It just seems like it would be a, a long, a really tough, tough task. And, and clearly there's going to be some speed in the Kentucky Derby. I know that life is good being out kind of changed things because um, he was just a, not a runoff, but he, he just seemed like he was one of those spend buck type of horses who was going to get to the lead. And it didn't matter who was going to challenge him. He was just going to go and go, and go. Um, but hot ride Charlie showed uh, a new dimension winning the Louisiana Derby over, albeit probably suspect horses. Hmm. Um, 
there, there's going to be some speed in the Derby. So, you know, to think the stupid sandwich is going to go out there and get a 40 and a half, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, Central Quality has, has some run too early. He's not, he's not slow. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> so no, we'll, we'll actually get into him a little bit when we talk about the bluegrass, um, which considering we're talking about the Derby should have pace. The pace will not, the pace setter will not be coming out of the bluegrass most <laughs> like, because that's a race with no pace. I mean, it's actually, it's odd to see a Derby prep of that magnitude have literally no horses that are ever close the first half mile. It's very, very odd. It's a gift to essential quality. It, it seems um, it, it seems like it's uh, it seems like it's going to be a uh, you know, as if he didn't have enough advantages already. Right. But it looks like Irad Ortiz has his derby horses. Uh, he for a guy that dominates at Gulfstream. Um, and on the East Coast, he, he didn't really seem to have uh, a real live derby mount this year. But uh, no one agenda should. Well, I'd, should I'd like to see or understand his numbers in dirt route races. I, I, I don't know what they are offhand, but I'd like to see them because I don't think that's his strong suit, to be honest. Well, we don't run very many dirt no, routes. No, but I mean, even the ones that he does ride. I don't see him winning those often, and I especially don't see him winning those on horses that he has to kind of pick up or, you know, make something happen in order to win. You know, there, there's jockeys and, and times where, you know, they, they can get their horse across the finish line first, even though they aren't the best horse by either working out a trip or, you know, tactics, things like that. I don't see that often from him. Not not on the dirt. I see it on the grass quite a bit, but he's he's kind of resigned to the, um, you know, I'm going to get my horse out in the clear and go wide and see what he gives me. If he goes and he stops, then that's what it is. Um, so it's interesting, you know, like you said, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't have that much confidence in him as, as good as a rider as he is in, in the horses that he rides. Um, it's interesting, you know, it's just a thought, you know. No, it, it's a good point, and it's a point that uh, we should remember coming up, uh, coming up a month from now when, uh, when we're going over the Derby, provided the horse gets Derby. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> you get one of those, uh, I want revenge scratches on the, on the day of the race. Yeah, the attrition rate at this time of year seems like it, it ramps up. Um, I guess we should just go ahead and talk about the blue. Yeah, good segue, man. Um, I was looking at the PPs for that race today, and um, I, I have to say that, uh, and, and this is going to be a criticism. Uh, it, it just is because I think it's valid. Um, I, I'm really questioning the the Derby Trail plan for a couple of horses in the Bluegrass. Hmm. Um, keep me in mind and Rom Bauer. 
Like, guys, you have closers. And I don't know. These horses, none of them missed a work. None of them. They've, they've had they work every week. Why are these horses making their second start? You have a closer, a dead one-run closer. You need help. You need some pace. You need a fairly clean trip. You need to not go 12 wide. You need to not get stopped. And you need to run first or second, or you're not going to be in the derby. And now you're faced with a race, a nine-horse field, with a horse who seems like he's head and shoulders above everyone else in there in, in essential quality, who almost it would be un, unfathomable to think that he wouldn't be first or second, barring some unforeseen, uh, you know, like scratching. So essentially, <laughs> see what I did there? Oh, um, essentially, you're talking about one spot. There's one spot that's going to earn a, earn a derby trip here. And I, I just, I just know where, where, where did they go? Right. You, you like, think after you... that, that, uh, especially Ron Bauer, after that win up at Golden Gate, you know, you would think they would want to build upon that. Instead, they sat on their hands and waited to a race that has no pace whatsoever. It's, it's really bizarre. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. Mike McCarthy did not seem real happy when he was forced to scratch out of, I think it was the um, San Felipe. No, no, no. I think it was the Be- the Bob and Beverly. Oh, the Lewis. Okay. Yeah, I think it was that race, and you know they they went to this race, the El Camino Real, and he won the race, and and it was it was um, and he had to work to do it. Certainly, it, it was a, a synthetic track win. And it was over a very, very soft field. And he only earned 10 points for that race. So he's coming into this race needing to be first or second. And, you know, you look and it's like, man, where's the speed coming from? And, and, And there's another horse who I think it's even worse is keep me in mind. And the keep me in mind had a little better form than Ron Bauer. Ron Bauer is kind of a shot in the dark. Right, he's a he's a one run closer. The, the distance uh, seems to be within his his capabilities, um, but he's more of a lottery ticket type horse. Uh, keep me in mind, won the Kentucky Jockey Club at Churchill last year. He's won a stake at two turns over the surface. He finished third in the Breeders' Cup. He finished second in the Breeders' Futurity. Why has he had one start this year? Like, is this you? You got a, a, a guy who trains horses who runs them back in ten days, and all of a sudden you're going to get ultra conservative with a dead closer. Like, he should have run in the southwest. They should have tried to get three starts into this horse. He's a dead closer. They only run the end of the race, and if he if if running three times is too much to to for a horse to prep for the Derby, then you know what? He's not going to win the Derby. Soft horses don't win the Derby period they just don't do you chalk that up with lack of experience with the connections or just you know poor management like they were like oh man we we thought this was going to happen i mean obviously we don't know physically what what's going on with the horse but we don't but the horse has been right exactly that's what i was gonna say steadily he got a little bit of time off he he missed you know he, he didn't have any recorded works in um in december now he ran november 28th 
So his first recorded work back was, was January 6th, which is, is about five weeks from the Kentucky, you know, the Kentucky Jockey Club, which would be, you know, relatively normal. He worked a half, he never worked another half on the 12th, he worked another five-eighths uh, a minute uh, at, at Oakland. And, and, you know, we, we knew that, uh, of course, that there was an interruption in training and, and, and schedule at Oakland. Um, and I don't know that, you know, maybe this horse was, was there, was at Oakland and he, he didn't ship him out of town or, and, you know, ship him somewhere else to train him and missed the time. I, I don't know, but they skipped the Southwest and it seemed like they were skipping the Southwest because there wasn't enough points, but I think they probably should have run in the Southwest and then maybe run in the Louisiana Derby. And then run, you know, somewhere else because you're at the mercy of the field when you have a horse with this horse's style. And now all the eggs are in this basket. And it's not highly motivated runs as well as I think he run. And I do, I think highly motivated will run really well. He ran really well over the surface once. He, he, he struggled a little bit. Like visually, when you watch the Gotham, uh, highly motivated, had, had three sprint starts last year, uh, culminating with the, the win uh, in the Night Quest on the Derby, uh, not the Derby, the Breeders' Cup uh, undercard. And I, I believe he said a track record. Yes, um, he was one of them. One of one of many. They were giving away uh, trophies. <laughs> they were giving away track records at Keeneland that weekend, like they gave away bobblehead head dolls at, uh, for the giveaway. But um, he ran really well, and it, it was a pretty solid field. Everybody came out of the race and won. Um, he had a little time off. He came back. He ran into Gotham. He stumbled at the start, and the Gotham was run over a ludicrously deep field, or excuse me, deep surface. It was very, very, very slow. It, it was funny. I watched Easy Goers Gotham uh, this week on, on YouTube, mm. and he, he shaded 133. <laughs> <laughs> um, with ease, not but, even breaking a sweat. Of course, <laughs> I, I'm not going to pair any horse with Easy Goer, of course, but Still, uh, you know, the Gotham was running a mile 138. Um, but he stumbled at the start, and he kind of lost position when, when that happened. And he was in behind horses, and he just didn't look all that comfortable. And going down the backside, I, I was saying to myself, watching the race, thinking, man, he might be off the board totally. And he was four to five in that spot. So it, it's not like he was uh, – uh, you know, wasn't the horse that was expected to run well. He, he was, he was odds on and he kind of grinded it out and he, he kept, he kept running, he kept running, he kept running. Um, and now he comes back to Keeneland off a month, a couple sharp works. He's he coming into a race. There's no speed, right? I mean, there's literally no speed in the race. So he'd had success laying three, four lengths off of very, very fast paces sprinting. So I'm going to guess that Javier Castellano is going to try to utilize some of his the speed that he does have and get to that first turn and try to keep uh, essential quality on his hip. Uh, he's not, he doesn't want essential quality to, to come around him. At least I don't think unless he thinks Saez on essential quality is going to go to the lead and then he's going to try to let him, you know, let him pass and then get outside of him and set up shop, uh, you know, off of his flank, which to me would be a more difficult test 
if you're trying to win this race, I think the best chance he has to win the race is to go to the lead and, and try to hold off essential quality. I don't think he'll be able to um, sit behind essential quality setting a reasonable pace and pass him. But the others in the race, including Hidden Stash and Untreated and uh, Ron Bauer and, and uh, this, this uh, Paul Lobel's taking a, 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 a flyer with LeBlanc, um, Hush of a Storm. I mean, these horses don't have an iota of speed. You know, even <laughs> they're sitting on go. Sitting, sitting on go who, who has a bizarre Dale Romans-like line. Dale Romans has the most erratic running lines with his horses. So this horse has actually not been erratic. He's been consistently bad uh, <laughs> since September. He, he, he broke his maiden from way off the pace, going short. Um, and he came back, and, and he won the Iroquois, uh, which I think was on Kentucky Derby. Was that on the Kentucky Derby Day card? Or was it the, the day after the Kentucky Derby? I think Derby? it was on Sunday, you know, I want to say the, the September Kentucky Derby, right. And, and he looked really good that day. Um, and he hasn't run a step forward since. Uh, but the point being, he's got zero speed. So, I mean, you're looking at a race that literally has no speed in it. And um, the best two horses, the, the most talented two horses, certainly are essential quality and probably highly motivated, motivated as well. So not only are the best horses, they probably have a, a huge tactical advantage here in that they do have a little bit of speed. So if you're on, you know, if, if you're riding, keep me in mind, you can't just sit seventh or eighth, right? Got to I mean, get into it. Isn't that like, <laughs> yeah, you got to be second. Or at least in the first flight, you know what I mean? Like around <laughs> the lead, like not, not your usual style. You got to get into the race. Yeah, I, I just uh, I have a hard time figuring out how he's going to get into the race. Um, I like what Hush of a Storm is doing. Bill Moore is doing with Hush of a Storm. He won the Bataglia. He survived an inquiry. Um, I mean, his pedigree doesn't exactly scream mile and a quarter at you. But uh, he has four starts lifetime. One start, his first start was in a $150,000 maiden claimer um, at Churchill on the dirt going seven A's and he showed zilch. He uh, had an outside post. He broke slow, never made any moves. He just kind of, you know, ran around there. Um, when switched to a synthetic surface, he broke his maiden with a nice, you know, quarter pole move uh, against, uh, you know, albeit a, a much weaker field probably. Uh, comes back in an allowance race and was really, really wide and grinded it out. His race after that, of course, the Bataglia, where he kind of circled around, getting in some in the stretch, survived an inquiry, which I thought was the right call. And I like the fact that Maury is didn't go to the uh, uh, the Jeff Ruby <laughs> Stakes, which would seem to be the logical spot to go to. And I'm thinking he his thinking here is that hey, if I'm really gonna you know have a shot to to run in a Derby, we got to see if this horse can handle the dirt. And, uh, you know, this is uh, a much bigger you know, purse. It's uh, an $800,000 purse for Jeff Rubin. It's two fifty. But I like, the, I like that, that line of thinking in that, you know, you got to find out 
so many people just want to be in the derby and sometimes um i think the horses that they train or own are the ones that kind of pay for that because they're just either not suited for it or you know they're they're just not they just don't have enough experience and it's a it's a it's a tough race, man. It's a tough race because it's not just the Derby. It's not just the two minutes itself. It's all the other stuff. It's the crowds. It's and I get the crowds not going to be like um, two hundred thousand people, but it's still going to be helicopters. There's going to be more activity on the backside. There, there's still a lot more ruckus about than there would be on a normal day, especially considering that. A lot of these horses have been racing at tracks where there's um, you know, no fans or, or very few fans. I mean, that's a fact. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a tough call. I mean, you know, I know if I was in that position as an owner, <clears throat> I wouldn't tell my trainer <laughs> to like, no, nah, I don't run. You know, if you know he's owned by the Maury Revocable Trust, yeah. so I'm guessing that the owner and the trainer are related. But um, I, I like it. I mean, I, I think that his horse is a little bit up against it here. He, he just probably he's probably just not. Good yeah, but enough. he might fall into but, some points. <laughs> but he might, and 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 he's gonna find out if if the horse, you know, is this type of horse, and if he's not, then they can probably, uh, you know, maybe maybe look to the to the grass to race on the turf um, because there's not a whole lot of synthetic um, races of, of note at this point. Yeah, I'd like, like to see somebody that... Most, most of the Woodbine's Canadian. I'd race, like so. to see somebody that does something like that or makes a move like that or with the intention uh, of, of, you know, testing his horse. <laughs> um, get in that would be nice you know because it would be it would be it, it's kind of the appropriate move to be honest rather than you know like you said why run in the jeff ruby stakes yeah it's it's you shouldn't be in the kentucky derby not even knowing if your horse likes the likes the dirt <laughs> you know like that that shouldn't be one of the the mile and a quarter, certainly. The big field, certainly. I mean, the, the style, the running style. and uh, I mean, those are all handicapping variables that, that um, uh, you know, we deal with in, in most races. But the fact that, that we're not sure if the horse likes the dirt or not should not be a Kentucky uh, Derby variable. And I know people love to throw Animal Kingdom out there. But, man, come on. Um, He's a freak. <laughs> It, it just happens once in a while, uh, you know. Um, what was the horse that won? Kong. Kong happened, and that doesn't mean well. We should always just you know throw two hundred to one shots in the race because our Kong won. I mean, you know, strange things happen in horse racing. It's not that every race is is uh, is going to be won by the favorites are going to run one, two, three. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 things can happen, but but uh, again, you know, you have a nice three year old. Why, why, why throw them to the wolves when you could maybe develop him into a late season three-year-old? Look at uh, 
Look at Mystic Guy. Exactly. Like, Mystic Guy. Like, where did he come from? You know? Right. And and he's a Dubai World Cup winner now. And easily, too. It wasn't like he struggled. No, he he won uh, that race pretty easy. I, I was on the HRN show this afternoon with Bobby Newman, and we we um we were talking about about him and um talked about how the Dubai World Cup this year will probably be more famous for the breakdown. Uh, well, the breakdown, but the, for the card, but for the the Dubai World Cup itself, for for who wasn't there as opposed to who yeah, wasn't the Saudi there race just really- takes the starch out of that one completely. And it's it's too bad, you know, because it's you know the Dubai race has a lot of history. And uh, you know, I mean, look at this this year's field compared to pretty much any field before the Saudi Cup was invented. <laughs> That's true. That's very very true. Um, but there, there's races past the Kentucky Derby, um, like Helium. He's another one. The race he ran at Tampa is not good enough to win. The no, Derby. definitely not. And are you going to? Uh, I mean, I, I certainly am not going to bet on him making another big leap. But um, it, it just, it, you know, and this isn't to rag on Markaski, but he's got two horses going into the Derby. If you combine the <laughs> record, wouldn't wouldn't be overly raced if you combine the two. Right, they got less starts combined than Greatest Honor has, right? Right. Says a lot. Yeah. And again, you know, the horses got late starts, and I think Helium surprised them a little bit. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the Kentucky Derby is a different race. It's not like every other race. It's totally, totally, totally different. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited because, you know, there's no standouts. I mean, even Essential Quality, who I would think, you know, with a win on Saturday would be the favorite. Not like he doesn't have any chinks in his armor or anything. Or he, he's not, well, he's not a lock. It's, it's, you know, you take Essential Quality out of the equation, right? Okay, say he wins the Bluegrass like he's supposed to. The Wood is a contentious race. The Santa Anita Derby is a contentious race. The Florida Derby was a contentious race. Um, the Arkansas Derby figures to be a contentious race if if uh, Contrator doesn't repeat his race. And on on the sheets, he's not. He did not run a huge number. Uh, and Thoroughgraph had him running a four. Right. Yeah, you need to run around a two um, or lower. A four is 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 a four is nice. But uh, a four isn't, uh, you know, elusive quality, uh, exclusive quality, but not elusive quality. Elusive quality was stunning. Uh, exclusive quality ran a zero last time. Um, greatest honor had been running ones. So the four is, is a nice number, but it's not quite where he, he's got to improve. So uh, there's no guarantee that he'll improve. And he, he looked good in his last race, certainly. But... You know, you're, you're, you're getting further and further along in distances. And, uh, you know, he's got a, a, you know, he seems like he's a horse that wants to be up on the lead as well. Um, so, you know, you put soup and sandwich in the equation. You have him. You have uh, 
maybe Hot Rod Charlie, who might not quite be quite as fast as those horses, might have wound up on the lead because um, Joe Rosario was just a, <laughs> a sharp jockey. But um, there's going to be some pace in this derby. It just seems like there's going to be some pace in it. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of standouts. And, and, and honestly, very for months now, we've been saying this is really a thin group at the top. That there's only a couple horses um, who have really stood out. And everybody else, you can almost, like, throw a blanket over them. They're all kind of like... Um, you know, sitting in that, are they going to improve? Are they going to go backwards? And, you know, some of them have, have already gone backwards. Prevalence, he's on the horse. I mean, uh, he took a little bit of a step back in his numbers um, going into the wood. He, he ran a little slower running that uh, allowance race than he did breaking his maiden. So um, he's got to improve quite a bit. Uh, I'm here for it, though. I know you are, but the big step might be this weekend. Yeah, that's true. And that's the thing that, that that's tricky with these lightly raced horses is are they going to take the big step again? Because it's very hard to win the Derby not moving forward. It's very hard to win the Derby not with your peak race. Um, so that's the thing is, is, is what do we see out of some of these horses, uh, these lightly raced horses? especially the ones that don't quite have the, the speed figures yet to be good enough. Um, it's, it's, it's really an intriguing derby. And like you said, if you took out the first couple of horses, I mean, you could, it's, it's kind of crazy how many horses um, you could make a case for hitting the board. Well, I mean, look at uh, a horse like Weyburn. I mean, I, I think he has another jump up in him. He, he's not terrible. I, I think he was just dismissed for a lot of reasons, and his running ability wasn't one of them. Um, I can see that horse stepping up and, and running well again this weekend. Um, you know, like you said, it's it's really a toss-up. I'm, I'm excited because that means a lot of prices. There's There's, you know... I, I don't I don't expect, you know, essential quality to, to kind of run the table here on out, personally. Not that he couldn't, because he certainly can. He he's definitely kind of put himself at the head of this class somewhat. Um but it seems like they're, you know, it just gets the the feeling, especially with all these races, see how they're shaping up for these last couple of preps and you know, it's just ripe for somebody new to kind of jump into the fray a little bit. And that's why I kind of like prevalence a little bit because he is that fresh face, you know, on the scene, he's run well twice, you know, like you said, he regressed a little bit um, in that allowance race, but I, you know, that, that to me, that was kind of expected. So hopefully he can kind of break through a little bit here and, and show us what he really has. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 that type of year. It really is that type of year. Um, and it seems, you know, what's funny? It seems like those the New York preps have been kind of upper echelon, <laughs> you know, comparatively. I mean, Greatest Honor kind of dominated 
until the last race, Known Agenda was kind of fledgling, nowhere to be found, and kind of found himself, at, at, you know, on Saturday. And then, you know, it seems like those the, the preps in, in New York have been pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, at the, the New York, you know, like you said, Wayburn, uh, you look at Crowded Trade. Now, here's a horse that's got two starts lifetime, um, the same as Prevalence, except he's just missed in, in, in a stake last time at a mile, same distance. And there's very little talk about Crowded Trade. And when you look at, um, from a number standpoint, he ran a two and a half uh, thoroughbred number at Aqueduct in the Gotham, and Prevalence just ran a five, yet... The hype. All the, all, the, all the hype is on prevalence. So it, it just goes to show you that some of these, um, uh, you know, horses might be flying a little bit under the radar. Uh, it, it's uh, it's kind of, it's tough to say because there's so many of them. You can just throw um, a blanket over them. I mean, just, just reading off uh, the, the Kentucky Derby futures, okay? Last start, thoroughbred number, Weyburn, three. Um, I don't know Spielberg. I don't know why Rocky World was. Well, well, does anyone know why Rocky World was involved in the the, the future? Yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, huh? Like, 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 who thought that was a good idea? I, I, I don't. I, I that was bizarre. Uh, Risk taking, who's another one who, who's kind of gotten uh, a little bit forgotten because he hasn't raced in so long. Um, he ran a three. Uh, Proxy ran a three. Prevalence ran a five. Uh, Obezos ran a two, mostly because he was wicked wide. Uh, Midnight Bourbon ran a three. Uh, Medina Spirits ran <laughs> three. Um, Mandolin ran a seven. Um, Hot Rod Charlie ran a three. Highly Motivated ran a three. Three is the lucky <laughs> number, huh? Hidden Stash ran a four. Uh, Helium ran a three. Um you know, are you are you starting to <laughs> a trend. see a pattern here? Uh, Crowded Trade ran a two and a half, which is essentially a three. Uh, Concert Tour ran a four and a half. Um, Collaborate ran a ran a four and three quarters uh, before the the race the other day at uh, Wood. I don't know or the uh, the, uh, the Florida Derby. I don't know what he ran in the Florida Derby. Um, but that that's kind of you know like there's a bunch of them sitting right there, and the question mark is. Who's going forward, who's not moving, and who's going backwards? Um, it, it's, you know, they're not that far behind the top horses. They're just not. With life, it's good out of here. Change everything. It really yeah. opens it up. And, and, and uh, you know, greatest honor seemed like he regressed a little bit last time. Uh, and we make excuses sometimes. You know, we say he doesn't want to run in horses and this and that. Maybe he had just the, the efforts that he had had at Goldstream took a little bit of a toll. Maybe they started to take a little bit of a toll. Yeah, certainly right. possible. I mean, it's not like he ran bad. I, I've heard people talking about no. like, you know, he didn't run bad. He just didn't run his race. He got pinned down. You know, collaborate kind of slowing down in front of him really hurt him. Um, at least for getting second. I don't think he was ever getting to the winner, but um, he didn't run bad. I mean, at least from a consistency standpoint, he kind of ran the race he did in the Fountain of Youth. He was 
inside for most of the race, got out and kind of ran. Um, that, you know, he, yeah. you know, he was up against a lot better horses than he was that day on Fountain Youth Day than, you know, in the Florida Derby. So um, I kind of like that in that he did what he normally kind of does. I hear you. Um, you know, there's an interesting horse in the the wood that hasn't <laughs> raced this year at all, who was was actually, um, you know, doing a lot of good work in New York last fall, and that's a horse named Brooklyn Strong, who is um, who is making his debut, his three year old debut in the, in this race for for Danny Velasquez. Um, and he had run some good, really good times last year. Uh, you know, he had good numbers. It's just right. Where where you been, been, dude? <laughs> where have you been? I mean, you know, it just seems like you would think uh, that more people would be taking shots at this, just because everything's kind of even. Like you said, it's like, well, you know. I kind of like that idea that they are taking this shot with Brooklyn Strong. You know, why not? Especially at this point and in that field, it's not like it's probably better than most of the other derby preps, but there's still not like, you know, no standouts. I mean, I could see any one of those horses jumping up and winning that race. Literally any of them. You know, he, he drew the rail, uh, crowded trade. Post number two, Burbonic, uh, who drew post three. He seems like that's a, a Pletcher horse that got beat in, a, in an eight of ten at Parks last time out. So seems like kind of a, a tough task for that one. It's, it's Calumet Farm, though, and they are very, very much willing to be 30 to one as they, they do not care. Uh, risk taking is the four. Dynamic one, who's another Pletcher. Maiden breaker. Um, at Aqueduct on a, on a very, 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 very huh. slow track. Uh, he, he went a mile and an eighth and won 55-1, which would get him beat at Pompano. <laughs> um, prevalent is the six. Candyman Rocket off of his no complete show. non-effort in the Tampa Bay Derby is, is post number seven. Um, Wayburn is post eight. And uh, another uh, kind of a long shot. Market Maven, who's a, a shipper from Parks for Penny Pierce, um, just seems. I mean, the horse was one two in a row. He, he won a state bred uh, maiden, and then he won uh, an allowance race pretty easy. And to be honest with you, at this time of the year, there just aren't very many spots for horses like that once they've won that allowance race. Um, he's not eligible for starters, so. Uh, you know, what, what else do you do? And, and I think that's sometimes the thing, too, is, is where else do you go? It, it, you have to take a shot in a race like this because, uh, you know, there's not a lot of other straight three-year-old stakes, and there's not a lot of – there certainly aren't any two other than allowance races, let alone uh, eight oh, other than races. Wrote those so, uh, <laughs> the two other than – yeah, hardly ever to see them. Going long on the dirt. Believe me, you, you, Sasquatch has been seen more – Lately, than two other than dirt races going along on the uh, going long, it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, Wayburn drew outside, which is probably uh, to his advantage. Like last time, he got to kind of 
uh, stalk from the outside position. Um, there, there's not a whole lot of speed in here. Um, there, you know, last time uh, in the Gotham waiver and while I was uh, was tracking the Bob Baffert uh, shipper that came from California to coming out of sprint races, freedom, uh, something or other. And he might wind up on the lead in here. Now, Market Maven, who is the outside horse with Dexter, Haddock, Dexter, uh, yeah, with, with, with the Dex, man, he, uh, um, you know, he's outside. He had shown speed at parks the last two starts. Not, uh, you know, obviously it's a different race. This is a sloppy, it was a sloppy track last time. Uh, I don't know what Trevor McCarthy's going to do. I mean, he might send to the lead. I, you know, it might depend on how the track's playing. I, I don't know how far prevalence is going to be off the lead uh, because he, you know, showed high speed his first start and he got him to rate a little bit last start. Um, but this is a completely different dynamic, you know, two turns uh, versus the one turn mile. It's just kind of, uh, you know, you, you look at the race again. Crowded trades coming out of a one-turn race, um, as is prevalence, as is Weyburn. And these are three of the the favorites <laughs> for the race, and they've never run two turns. So um, it, it's just kind of a, a, a derby trail that's not like the old derby trails. Yeah, that's you got that right. I haven't had much of a chance to look at the Santa Anita race at all, uh, but it, it drew a big field. And, uh, you know, Bobby was saying on the show today, he goes, you know, if life is good was, was still racing, it would probably good. not be as big as it is. And it uh, seems like a couple of guys are just taking shots because it's a big money race. And uh, he's my boy, but Medina Spirit doesn't scare anybody off. Which is bizarre so, because he, it's not like he's run badly. He just ran behind him. His stable mates are just on another level almost. But just if, if life is good, like didn't exist, you could just take him off the map. He'd yeah, be the Derby favorite. Choice. <laughs> he would. He would have. He would have been winning all the California preps and the fast and you know and, and getting good numbers. So you know he ran second in, in those races and he, he won. The one race that Life is Good wasn't in, and Hot Ride Charlie came out of that race as well, to kind of show that that was a wasn't just an empty wagon he was pulling around there that day. So, yeah, I thought Medina Spirit actually handled that that field pretty good. Um, that's why it was really um, uh, flattered Medina Spirit when he came back and won. Yeah, he, he did. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, well, you know, there's there's a ton of stakes this weekend. I mean, obviously we got the the wood card is is, is pretty decent. Oh uh, man, five horses! What is really, that? Really, five horses and none of them, uh, none of them exactly. Uh, no green grottos in that race. Uh, <laughs> no, there's. No. But um. Uh, there's, you know, the the cards, uh, the Friday card and the Saturday card at, at Keeneland are pretty solid. Um, the Santa Anita card looked pretty good uh, on my first glance. 
over. They got a couple decent grass races, and uh, it's you know it's a, it's, it'll be a nice weekend of racing. And um, you know the spring is is definitely in bloom. Keeneland opens up Friday, which is always a sign of spring. You know, I, I know I didn't tomorrow. even realize that until week, somebody the, you know one of those uh, touts were talking about it on on Twitter, and I was like, wait a minute, the Blue Jays play tomorrow? Well, Bobby was on the show today, and he made an announcement that their their show tomorrow is being preempted because of Major League Baseball starting. And I was like, is they have fans. And he's like, oh. I think it depends on where you're at. I think it depends on where you're at. Though most places seem to be opening up. Um, every day, it seems like there's another place opening up, dropping. You know, dropping the, the, the mask mandates, uh, they're letting more and more people in, the 25% to 50%. So I guess it probably depends on where you are, but uh, I mean, it might depend on how many people actually know it's even <laughs> starting. I mean, there's been None. zero. I, 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 like I forgot there was even zero. spring training. And, and, and of course, we live in Florida, so. I mean, this week, you know, you talk about sports and the mainstream sports and stuff, but obviously March Madness is, you know, in, in the final week, and, and that's gotten a lot of uh, attention. And, and the Draft, NFL, right? um, oh, yeah, well, a bunch of trades were made. The Dolphins were, at least down here, the Dolphins' trades have been analyzed to, like, the ninth degree. Um, you know, they traded back, then they traded back up, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, baseball just has had – had very little, um, very little buzz. And you know, one funny thing about baseball is that the owners claim, like before the pandemic, of course, that they were making a lot of money. And baseball's very much like horse racing in that they control most of the content. Um, you just, it feels like they're, they're losing a generation. Kind of like horse racing has, is, is in danger of losing a gambling generation if we don't really start to make our product a better, well, you know what? better betting. Product. It's funny you say that no. because I was having the thought, you know, and, and, and this is crazy because I was thinking about this while at the Florida Derby when I was talking to, to uh, my long lost brother, Dave, um, in how he was telling me, you know, he, he's, he's a basketball guy. I mean, I, I hardly ever see the guy not wearing a basketball shirt of some sort. I mean, he's a college basketball guy, and he saw as many games as I had this year, if not less. And I think, you know, this pandemic was so weird that it may have shown people, good, bad, or otherwise, that they're not dependent on sports. <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't even by choice. It just, you know, it just happened that way. And now it's. I think it's going to be some slow momentum getting back into it because I had no enthusiasm at all for this for this NCAA tournament at all, none. You know, I, I watched a couple of games last night. I watched the the two games with Michigan and and uh, USC losing. Um, but I, even then, I I really wasn't excited about it. I, I wasn't really up on the players much. I know. You know, actually, somebody asked me a while ago, and I was like, well, it looks like Gonzaga is the best team by far. So I would pick them to win. Somebody asked me who I would pick, and I said Gonzaga. 
and that actually kind of is coming true. They they haven't lost yet. Um, but you know, it, it's just such a weird thing that it felt it feels like people like can cope without sports because we had to. You know, everything was taken away, so everybody's like, oh well, you know, there's other things, I guess, or maybe not. But I, I just it just feels like the momentum is going to be slower to get back into the the way things used to be. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, it was funny because I talked to, I said to Dave, we were at dinner, and I said, you know, baseball starts tomorrow, and, and he looked at me and he says, you know, like I, I don't right. even like care, <laughs> and it's it's like, and then I said to him, you know, you know the Cowboys because he's a Cowboy fan, yeah, <laughs> but um, I said, you know, the Cowboys, they got they're playing an extra game, they're playing the Patriots, and he's like. The NFL's got another game. I'm like, yeah, it's been all the news because I, I really haven't even paid that yeah. much attention. So, uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, he's he's uh, North Carolina not being in it because he's a well, Roy Williams buzzkill. His Roy Williams hatred would probably get him all psyched up again. But I know a lot of guys like that. A lot of people who um, you know were fanatical about sports and about things like their teams and uh they're just not as as um like you said maybe uh you know, the pandemic changed a lot a lot of things i know a lot of guys who feel that yeah. way about race yeah they quit i mean i i've known guys that just like yeah i haven't not, played the races in like seven months yeah and you know racing always took its players for granted and it took its horsemen for granted in a lot of ways too, and I think they're they're still doing that. In that, um, I mean, we've demonstrated and, and talked about how the players get ignored a lot, but I think people don't realize because people kind of think that all the horsemen are like together <laughs> and they're not. Um, there's some horsemen that are that are reviled. There's some are just not liked. There's some that are hated. And, you know, you probably could figure out the names. But but in a lot of ways, the tracks, take they, they assume that owners and trainers that don't have huge outfits are going to continue to let their heads get beat in by the big outfits. And you're starting to see that they're not they're pushing back or they're they're going they're moving they're, they're they're shifting their barn somewhere else or they're getting out and and i think that's something too in that people assumed that that guys would continue to run and fill these races for these other horses but they're not they don't they just don't want to be fodder anymore i know i, I went through it myself i, I just said I don't want to have to run at spots yeah it's got to be really really just, fucking upsetting to, to do all that work and, and get your horse prepped and, and ready to go, no injuries, you know, overcome all the obstacles just to enter in a race where some dude has a, uh, you know, a $50,000 clamor drop him in for twenty five and looks unbeatable. Well, you know what the worst is, is, is like a, talking about like, you know, two, two other lands on the dirt. But it's when you have an allowance horse and there's a race in the book and you, and you go in there and you can't <laughs> fill it. And then 
Two weeks later, it pops back up in the extras, and they're calling you to fill it. Hey, you were in this race the other day. You know you're going to be in trouble going into that race because they're trying to fill it for a guy that's a favorite son, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a horse right, unbeatable. <laughs> you know, I, I had a horse one time, and his name was Deer Lake. Claimed them from Paul McGee for I think eighty thousand. Um, ran him in a race. Uh, um, was it Deer Lake? Or was it a different horse? I can't remember. But I ran in the Mister Prospector against Steve Margolis, the horse who had won the Breeders' Cup uh, opening day at Goldstream Park. When the Mister Prospector used to be the opening day stake. When in when January, Goldstream yeah, started in January, <laughs> way, way, way back in the Stone Ages. And um, I was told by the racing secretary, if I helped him out, and I, I went in this race and missed a prospector, because it was a pretty short field, that if I did that, that he would be, um, he would ride a race for me, because I wanted to run my horse in allowance race. And he would ride a race for me to the dollar as soon as I was ready to run. And um, I said, all right. Screw it, I'll run. I ran in the race, I was third. And uh, it might have been strength and honor. So about six weeks later, I'm ready to run. I said, tell the race secretary, yeah, you know what, I'm ready to run. Love to see that allowance race up there. So I said, all right, great. So book comes out, the race is there. I call Ron Anderson. He had Jerry Bailey's book. and I wanted to get Bailey to ride this horse because I thought, well, I'll, I'll go in an allowance race. Uh, this horse will be double tough in here. And I called up and Anderson said, oh, no, 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 you don't want to go in there. And I said, what do you mean I don't want to go in there? Because <laughs> he wrote that race for you and he laughed. He goes, he might have told you he wrote that race for you, but he wrote that race for Todd Fletcher. <laughs> I said, he did? Who's he got in there? Uh-oh. He goes, Purge. Purge was the horse who had won the Jim Dandy by 12 his last start and then got hurt and, and was on the comeback trail. And I was like, you're damn right I don't want to run against Purge. Not not, not, not for like 36000 or whatever allowance was that day. But but that was just another example. Uh, oh, so they're, they're trying to fill the race. The race secretary called me up and he's like, like, you know, I wrote this race for you and you're not going in. And I'm like, come on, man. I was born tonight, but I wasn't born last night. I go, you write the race for me, but you also wrote it for a horse that I can't beat. I said, you know, like, thanks for nothing and hung up on him. But that's what happens. And, and, and guys get tired of it. People get tired of it. You get tired of constantly running in races where guys are plunging horses because they've got a ton of them. Um, and, and it might sound like sour grapes to people, but listen, you want to bet these races? Then don't you want competition? Don't you want horses in the race that, that belong in the race? Or do you want to just bet a series of of three to five shots because that's what happens sometimes. And, um, you know, the, the business is, I mean, again, we, we've talked a million times about how they just keep assuming that these betters are just going to keep on coming. And I'll say this guys that, that, that bet on horses <laughs> are a hardy group, man. They're a hardy group because, the pricing sucks. They're, they're taken for granted for the most part. 
Um, and things are better than they were. And that's the funny part is it's better than it was. But there, there's a lot of shenanigans, be, be it jockeys, uh, be it, uh, you know, trainers. Um, you know, now now we have to deal with whip rules and this rule and that rule. And, and, it, and it's like, man, the problem is that at some point, the alternatives might just look better. And that's the thing that scares me about sports betting um, is that our people are a lot more familiar with sports betting and a lot more likely to place a wager on a sporting event than they are to pull a slot. True that. And you grew up with baseball and football and basketball you, you know you know you, you know like how it's played you understand the game and maybe you're not like you know an expert on um on on what the lines should be or point spreads or things like that but you know the game so you think you are and i mean there's all uh, inside the pilots has started another um critique uh, of of wagering versus handicapping and he's right i mean listen he's right he's right that handicapping means nothing that's it man that's what i tell people all the time you know i am not a great handicapper i'm a much better better and i would rather be a better (laughs) or in a uh, you know uh, a, a superior better than handicapper because you can make up for a lot of handicapping mistakes, errors, miscues, what have you, by betting properly. You know, and, and, and people really don't understand that. And, and, and it's crazy to me because I see people spending hours upon hours upon hours and, you know, handicapping the races when the ultimate prize is betting and winning your bet. Not the handicapping part. I mean, I, I could teach my daughter to handicap in, in you know, 10, 15 minutes. But she can't, she, she, under, she you think, know, there's so many every nuances time, with betting and so many different ways you could bet to maximize profit. That ends up being the more difficult part. So I tell people all the time, hey, I don't spend a lot of time handicapping. I spend more time constructing tickets. That's what's going to make me money. Secretariat was the likely winner every time you raced, right? 21 out of 21. <laughs> he won 16 out of 21. A secretariat, okay? That's secretariat. Five times. So it, five times he, he, he didn't win. So it didn't matter what is quote unquote, uh, you know, like lot of percentage chance to win. He didn't win. And, and a lot of betting is, is just that. It's determining, um, you know, the probabilities versus the odds. And, uh, you know, like one of the things he was, ITP was saying today was in short fields, uh, when you're betting um, horizontal bets, you, you can't use the favorite or, uh, no. odds on horse and other All horses. All or nothing. You have to take one or the other. 
you know, you're trying to beat the odds on horse. If the odds on horse beats you, it's not going to pay good anyways if you're dealing with more than one or two races with short fields. So you either have to beat them or you have to play them. But if you play, you know, or single them right. or, or, or don't or toss them, you can't do both. Because if you do both, you're automatically behind the eight Yeah, ball. you're killing you're Automatically behind the eight ball. Because it, it depends on, you know, just right. hitting a and bet depends on how much you bet. The whole point is to bet a small amount to, to make a, lot, a, a large amount, not bet a large amount to, to, to try to, you know, make a little bit. It's back, that's backwards thinking. But that's also part of the problem of how races are covered. And sometimes we're blaming the talent, the on-air talent, and they're doing what they're told. Like when I do the show with Bobby, right? We, this is not an in-depth handicapping show. Sure, it's kind yeah. of a cover the races type of show. We make a pick every race. Um, and I try not to bet the chalk, you know, because like, uh, you know, it's not, uh, we don't keep score and I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, I had five winners today. On the show. I mean, who cares? Difference doesn't make, doesn't matter at all. But you've um, been around long enough to know that favorites only win 30% of the time. There's, there's somebody else winning the other 70%. Well, the point, <laughs> you know, Mike Pena wants us to make a pick every race. Well, there's some races today that we're, we're, we're on the show. I wouldn't bet with counterfeit money. Yeah. Bread made in tents. Like I'd rather stab myself than, than bet those races. But I mm-hmm. can't make a pick because that's what the guys, that, that, that's their show. It's their format. And that's why they want to do it. I have no problem doing it. It's fine. Uh, I mean, believe me, if, if people depend on my advice <laughs> for handicapping or for ticket structure, they're already dead. Yeah, that's why I don't, I don't. <laughs> There are, there are already zombies. <laughs> That's why I don't zombies. really judge the TVG uh, people harshly in that regard. Um, well, not only are they forced to make picks, not only are they forced to make sequence. A picks, budget. They're given a, a limited bankroll, which I never understood that. Why have a budget? Yeah, I don't. I, I never got that either. It's like, you well, know, okay, the, the play was $60. I mean... And remember, TVG is an ADW. It's disguised as a TV channel, but it's an ADW. Their money is made in ADWs. They're owned by a gigantic bookmaking operation. They want to get people to bet. They use that. These people aren't really covering the races as a, a news item. They're covering the races to try to make you bet on the races. And yes, it's it's kind of masquerading as. A, coverage of of the game but for the (laughs) most part they want you to make bets and that's understandable for me i don't understand why you're going to limit a guy if there's a a a pick six or a pick five or whatever that really you know it makes a lot of sense to 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 go deeper to to spend put a 200 well i think that you know do it. Why? Why do it? Oh, oh, because uh, the people, uh, small time people, small time people aren't going to help. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I think they 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 have this innate fear of running the risk of alienating the small players by putting together big tickets. Um, it's like alienating. <laughs> well, usually the smaller players kind of end up being sharper. Well, the smaller players are the smaller players, but if you're going to put tickets right. up, put yeah. tickets up that makes sense. I think that's the that's the thing that inside the pylons has just consistently pounded into people's heads, and some people won't accept it, and they get defensive, and it's like, well, but some people um, 
understand that. And, and, and the point he makes is right. He's right. His methods aren't always the most, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, warm, warm and fuzzy. Right. The, no like, feelings here. Gambling. We're trying to make money. Right. This, 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 exactly. This isn't the participation trophy. You know, if you're making stupid bets, you, you know, you're making stupid bets. And I think that the people at the producers of TVG need to change the way they look at this. Because if, and, and his point again, he makes the other point if you break your customers, That's if they're broke, then they're a not very good customers. point. I mean, and it's true. You know, that it's very, very true. If you want to grow the game, you've got to smarten people up. And you've got to, to take new people and not bury them right at, uh, right off the, the bat. And um, it, it just, there's so many moving parts to this industry. It's so difficult. It's so hard for me to sometimes to hold my tongue. But there's sharp this. guys out there like ICP and, and that, that can guide them. Why not use them? They can, <laughs> but the, the racetracks have, uh, the racetracks are, are, listen, I've said it before. Most all of the problems we have stems from the racetrack's lack of, um, in some ways, effort, lack of uh, cognancy, of, of, of not understanding their customer, of not understanding what's going on on the racetrack, that when a guy is clearly doing something that probably isn't kosher, that you don't like keep writing articles about him and, and pat him on the back, you throw them out. But no, 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 racetracks don't. They legitimize them. And a lot of the tracks, they just now, they're distracted. We're just one of many of the offerings. And that's a difficult place to be in. Because even though you and I and, and, and most anyone that's listening to the show loves horse racing. Because if you, if you don't love horse racing and you listen to the show, like, I mean, I, I, know I know that we have like sexy voices you. and stuff, but <laughs> but, but you know, um, it, it's just the tracks don't love racing. The tracks love profits, and it's a business. Yeah, it's a business. But right. why not make this a better business? Why I, I don't understand big... how they don't see the writing on the wall. How you know the things that ITP talks about can actually help them. I will no, guarantee they definitely you would none of them know who he is. I mean, they might. I mean, depending on who's running those accounts on Twitter. They just think he's the, Right, he's but the they don't listen to you gotta you gotta listen to them. You just can't hear it. Exactly. Because people in race don't listen to anybody because they tell you time and time and time again, oh, that's what they always gotta listen. I mean that's what we always say. You can't just hear Jimmy, and, as as they said in uh, White Man Can't Jump. You gotta you gotta listen to Jimmy. You just can't hear him. And, you know, a, a guy like that, somebody has to understand how sharp that guy is, you know, business-wise, for, for the economics of, of betting and, and, and the gambling aspect of what horse racing really is from a fan-slash-better standpoint. He's got it cold. He knows this game, and he knows the business of it. And, and it's just so crazy that, they, that nobody wants to listen to him. You know, yeah, Great. He he doesn't have the best style coming across on on Twitter, but there, that doesn't discount what he's trying to say, what point he's trying to make. And you know, th there's got to be somebody just as sharp 
that's in the position of power to say, hey, we got to tap this sort of resource so we can make things better. Or else we're going to be on the outside looking in. And then you get people like, you know, some people I've talked to that left the game, won't come back. They're full-time sports bettors. That's what you don't want. And, and you're never going to know it until they're all gone. <laughs> and it's too late by then. You know, when you finally figure it out, it's, it's, it's almost too late like it is now. It's, it's getting to that point. And, you know, there's got to be somebody sharp somewhere to be like, hey, you, you know, we need to tap this resource. At least give it a try. If, if it doesn't work out, what do we have to lose? We're losing this, that, and the other every other month or things are going downhill slowly, death by a million cuts. Why not just do it? Just like you with the blinkers. You know, why not? Something different. No doubt. My guy. Frank Vespi, uh, the, the good, good, nice, nice site, the racing biz. And he asks a question. Um, he asks a question today in, in a piece. Uh, he asks uh, a bunch of people in the business um, about if you could change one thing about the business. And I think everybody answered, uh, you know, feels... Um, I'll just, I'll just read a couple of the answers that makes it easier. Janine Sahadi talked about um, promotion, education reforms mm-hmm. have to be gambling driven, which is true. Um, she talks about um, stress the need for public relation efforts to highlight the improvements the game has made, which is which is true. Um, TK Kugler talks about making the game simpler um, and easier to bet, uh, making all video feeds available to you for free. With, you know, it's, eh, I, I'm not a big simpler is better kind of thing because it's a complicated, put it this way. If, if you can't grasp the, the right, concepts, we shouldn't dumb it down. You're going to be a loser and a loser is only yeah, I'm, for I'm, so long anyways, you know, right. So, um, you know, one of the guys, Gene McLean, who has the Louisville Durbridge Society, who somehow, for some reason, Big jerk on Twitter. I don't know. I didn't even talk to the guy. But he says, uh, you know, I think racetrack should limit the number of stalls to a single trainer, mega trainers, mm-hmm. true, limiting entries, and blah, 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 which is true, but it's kind of, you know, too late for that. Um, uh, Andy Simoff's, you know, claimed that uh, you need to stop the idea racing is better off without Lasix, which is true. Tyler Connor, who's a jockey, wants to roll back new whip, whip, whip restrictions, which is probably, you know, not a bad idea. Um, jockey agent whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce talked about um, more consistency track track from stewards involving jockey DQs uh, and about a central uh, headquarters which is which is you know fine that's that's probably a, it probably is a good idea um, uh, Trevor McCarthy all, again talked about consistency and, um, and Chris Brown said uh, kind of a nebulous argument. The number one thing racing needs to do is stop, start caring and stop making excuses, keep the status quo. And folks need to, you know, they're in charge, you need to look in the mirror, and we're in trouble, blah, blah, blah. All of which is kind of true, but I think the biggest mistake when you ask people questions like that is that everything has to change about this business. Everything. 
from the, the, the top down. Yeah, blow it up. By that, I mean that our product, and, and, and we produce a product, is, is tickets, wagers. What we do on the racetrack is, is our gambling product. Part of that is the menu of, uh, of bets they're taking. Part of that is the, the takeout and, and all of the, of the taxes on, on, on that dollar that's bet. And everything has to start there. Um, marketing is fine. PR is fine. But when people come to the game, we've got to have made the betting part better. We've, part of making the betting part better is, is greater integrity. And not bullshit jockey club integrity, because those guys wouldn't know. What, they don't know what's going on. They think they know, but they don't really know. Integrity starts with the tracks. It starts with who you allow on your backside. It allows what you allow owners to do. When owners have nine different trainers, it, it, it just makes it, uh, from the outside, perception is reality. And the reality is that they're all on the same team, right? So, uh, you know, some of the jockey shenanigans... I mean, we need whole scale changes, but it's going to be painful. And the sacrifice comes from those who have, not those who don't have. And that's the thing. These people will go to these big conferences and they'll talk about sacrifice, but they want everyone else to sacrifice. Like the jockey club was very quick to throw betters and, and, and horsemen under the bus to pay uh. for this new HISA law. I don't see any of them volunteering to put... To, to, to each of them uh, putting up a half a million dollars each, and they got half a million dollars like me and you got five. There's a hundred members of the jockey club or more. Why don't they put up a hundred thousand dollars each? Raise the money for that show. Put 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 some skin oh, in the no, game. Oh no, that'll never happen. No, no. But this is the thing: make the product better. Come up with with alternate ways of of, of carting races. Not the same old, same old. We've got down this, we've gone down this road of, of condition claiming races where there's so many condition claiming races that everybody wants to be in the same, in the, in the exact, you know, the exact condition at, on the exact surface, on, at the exact distance that they're going to be three to five in. Well, it can't happen. You wouldn't want that anyway. <laughs> you ideally would never want that. No, that we wouldn't, but if the guy with the horse does. But you gotta, you got to take control of your product. And the racetracks allowing super trainers to get so strong. Well, I, uh, I think it, the, um, that old adage that I've spoke about on here before that's going to doom this industry is the quote, this is the way we've always done it. That is the worst mentality to have. In, an, uh, in a sport like horse racing that's very organic, it rolls, you know, it changes. And, and we need to adapt and change with society, the times, everything that's going on. Horse racing has to follow suit. Just because you did something some way for 40, 50, 60 years doesn't mean it's going to be okay in 2022. 
and that that's that's you know the hiring practices um who's you know running the racetracks who's up at the top the executives all that stuff like you said has to change it's almost like when um you know like uh this past week when all the nba teams like the orlando magic just dumped everybody they had to blow it up start all over do something else it's not working Look at how the NFL <laughs> handled adding the extra game. Sure as the players don't. don't want to play an extra game. They don't. But you know why they did it? Because they're going to make more money. And if they make more money, the players are going to make more money because they, they have a, um, a deal that, that gives them a percentage. But they did it. Racing lets a lot of the players call the shots. They let the big outfits and the big owners call the shots. Right, because they're only going to do what's, what's best wrong. for them. <laughs> they don't give a damn about anybody else. Listen, there's no big trainer if you went out of business wouldn't, wouldn't would hurt the game. It would help the game. And that's the thing. It would help the game. It would help the game. Overall, it would help the game. And people say, well, I said, listen. I've lived through the greatest trainers in the history of the game dying and, and, and you know, leaving the, the sport. And, and guess what? The sport went on. They ran the next day. Horses got distributed. Nobody's bigger than the game. And a lot of the guys that are big are, are hurting the game. They're hurting the game. But we keep bowing down to them. No, because anybody and in that situation would take advantage of it. If you drove 125 miles an hour down the road and you got pulled over and you told the cop, well, I don't care, I ain't going to pay the ticket anyways, and ripped it up, and then they didn't, you know, immediately cuff you or, or, or when you do come in, to, you know, throw the book at you, well, why would you right. ever not speed? <laughs> why would you ever not speed? Well, a lot of, a, a lot of smaller trainers and, and owners feel like they have to follow the rules and the other guys don't. And honestly, not just now, I'm not just talking medication rules. I'm talking about all the other rules. And they're not wrong. The perception is part of the reality. And maybe it's a little overblown, especially in the medication wise, but it's it's still reality. The perception is reality. And our game is perceived by less and less people. As well, just think about this. On the if, up if there was aliens, let's say aliens from wherever in the universe, come to Earth and manage to understand Twitter, and then they made their way to horse racing Twitter, without knowing anything else about the sport, what would you think their impression of the sport would be? Just by, you know, Twitter. I mean, no, nothing else, no, not Facebook, not anything else. If you went on Twitter and these aliens just figured out how to understand Twitter and understand horse racing Twitter, what would it be that they would, their impression? And my thing, I think they would first say, oh, well, everybody's cheating. That's the first thing that they would probably say. And racing has never done enough, never done enough to make it where uh, I, I see sometimes guys get thrown out as <laughs> guys who definitely don't cheat. 
definitely don't do anything. And I, I often wonder why, because I know at least one of them has got a million positives that got covered up because of his reputation. And I'm not saying these were like grade one positives or anything, but we all use the same vets for the most part. We all have the same help. We're all training mostly on the same tracks. It's not that much different. And that doesn't mean that there aren't guys that are taking advantage, because there are. There always have been. Unfortunately. I'm not saying it's okay. But I guess it's human nature to a certain degree. It's human nature for sure. Whenever there's money involved, people are going to take advantage. It's confusing as to what is legal and what's not legal anyways. Um, And I'm not saying any of this is acceptable. What I'm just saying is that people assign uh, white hats and black hats to people based upon reputations um, that often have really very little to do with anything other than guy's a nice guy. (laughs) You know? Uh, Chris Clement, uh, Graham Motion, guys who have had virtually no positives their whole career. Okay? Uh, Yeah, you can feel pretty confident those guys aren't pushing the envelope because they never get positive. They never they never get mistakes. Like their grooms never cross the line. Their grooms never get uh, you know cold medicines, right? And you you could use those two guys. And do I think that those guys do anything wrong? No, absolutely not. One hundred percent. No, I, I would be shocked if they did something um, you know blatantly illegal. But. I also happen to know them personally for a long, long time. I've seen their operations. I've, uh, Graham has sent me horses. I've bought horses off Chris Clement. So I, I at least have a working knowledge of who these people are, and, and I've seen their horses um, you know, before and after and, and certainly know them well enough to know that uh, it would be very much out of character for them to be doing something completely illegal. But... How does everyone else know? And again, I'm not trying to like cast doubt over the whole game, but I'm just saying that we don't do nearly enough to make people think that when to test comeback negative, that they're actually negative because there's so many, the, 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 the federal investigation, the, the arrests of service in Navarro last year are perfect examples of this. Perfect examples that they weren't really getting positive tests, and and yet the results didn't seem to match um, the reality of the situation. And when that happens, um, you know, talk about the race in Dubai where the horse broke down. Taking away the fact the horse broke down, where did that race come from? From that horse, where did that race come from? That's a horse that worked one time in seven weeks, three eights and 38 and two, and to run that race. And maybe there's some secret training techniques that I don't know anything about and nobody I know knows anything about. But I don't understand how you get a horse ready to run that kind of race in an international competition based upon that. And it just makes you, you question everything. You just question everything. It's like if a baseball player, all right, you got this coming season and, and really we're not paying that much attention to it, it seems like. 
What, what if after two months, the guy's got <laughs> 37 home runs? Juice. Your first thought's going to be. <laughs> yep. Immediately. Back. You know, like, and there's a guy. Look at Barry Bonds, right? Everyone just assumes that he juiced because of his numbers. They got whacked at way out of way out of line. Historically, uh, just just got nuts, and he never really was, you know, found guilty of anything other than public perception. But public perception is keeping him out of the Hall of Fame. It's keeping Roger Clemens out of the Hall of Fame. And in horse racing, public perception gets kind of scoffed at because eh, public tests. And this doesn't mean that we should just, you know, form a lynch mob and any time a guy goes on a hot streak, throw him out. Because a lot of what we look at statistically in horse racing is, is, is you know, if you take a statistics class and it's statistically um, irrelevant. You know, guy wins three out of four. Ah, he's hot. <laughs> Today, uh, yeah. Hot. Yeah, you're right. He won three out of four. But, it, but, but he, he might wind up being three out of 30, too. He might lose the next uh, – uh, 26 in a row as well. It's not as though this is, you know, the Knicks are, are the greatest thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the nicking with the, the breeding and um, you know, this sire over that sire and then how many stakes winners they produce and this and that. And I'm sure there's some value of some sort, some way, but, um, you know, you, you get two stake winners early uh, on a certain Nick, it's going to be an A plus, 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 Nick yeah, for say, at least five a long years. time <laughs> because if if two out of fifteen is great, well, two out of three is really is, is like spectacular great. But the next ten or twelve can can also be non-stake. You know, the next ten or twelve that come along don't win either. You know, they're they're not stake horses. So your your two for two or two for three goes to two for fifteen goes to two for twenty goes to two for thirty, and all of a sudden. That's not such a great nick anymore. It was great, now it's not great. It's just not statistically valid. It's just the variances. And I'm not a mathematician at all. But you have to have a, the correct sample size. Every year, believe me, there'll be a guy two weeks from now, there'll be some shortstop that plays for the Rangers that nobody ever heard of that's hitting 410, and he's not the next uh, A Rod. And, you know, he, he's just not. And, and once. The pitchers catch up to him, and, and, and he has a lot more bats. He'll wind up going and hitting a 260 like he's supposed to hit. But it's just a, a small sample size. And, and racing, um, you know, we often kind of wring our hands at small sample sizes. But, uh, you know, but when, when things happen that don't seem to make sense time and time and time again, and it's the same people, Correct. How can people not be? <laughs> How can you? Because then that means you're either really dumb or not paying attention at all. I thought the one great thing about Hong Kong, you know, racing wise, is that you don't have to worry what the guy next door to you in the next stall is, is doing. You just don't have to worry about it there. It's an equal playing field. It's a level playing field. It just is. And and that's something that uh, I wish we had over here. And, you know, understand also that to get to Hong Kong, horse-wise, you have to qualify. You can't just send some plug over there. They've got to have an international rating of a certain uh, number. They they've have to be uh, under a certain age and 
you know, they, they want competitive horses. Um, they don't want what, what we saw today in the fourth at Oaklawn, Archie-bred mate and tents. They want competitive horses. It, it, it makes sense to them to run competitive races because that's the, they understand that's the lifeblood of, of what's going on there. And that's why they handle you know, billions of dollars. Um, and it's not an easy, I mean, you couldn't have that system here in this country. It just, it just wouldn't work. Our laws are different. Um, it's, it's, you know, they have two back sites. Now they have a training center, but, but um, it's just, it's just different. It's just the concept of feeling like uh, everything's on the up and up. And until we figure out a system and I don't believe in any system until I know the particulars. So HISA, they can piss on HISA until they tell me what it's going to be. I'm not one of these people. Well, it's better than status quo. Well, how do we know? Do we know? Right. Okay. You don't know anything yet. Not Everybody Nobody knows any wishing, details about anything. I've seen what wishing gets you in this business. It gets you, you know, it gets you, it gets you broke. It, it just is, you know, we're wishing, we're hoping. Well, we need to demand that this thing is going to be effective. And I'm telling you, the TDN writer's room, Joey Bianca does every week, does a great job. They had on Travis Tiger. And he didn't impress me one iota as being a guy that's going to be uh, the new sheriff in town. And I'm sure Travis Tiger is probably like, who the hell is this bald fat guy, right? But I can tell you one thing. Travis Tiger should hire me. I don't know if I'd work for him. But he doesn't know anything. He thinks he knows a lot. But he literally said that they were going to depend on a a 1-800 number, a hotline. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And I thought to myself, yeah, the next time Baffert has one run off the screen – there's going to be 418 calls and not a single one of them is going to know anything tangible. It's going to be, Oh, how can the guy have that many good horses? How can he have another horse of a lifetime? Which is of course is a viable question. But if you're a regulator, it's, it's a question of, do you have some information that says that he's doing something wrong? And it's almost always going to be no. And he he literally said, well, we, uh, every call we get, we investigate thoroughly. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you better have about 5,000 investigators. Wow. Racing. Yeah, that sounds impossible. It's like compared to Olympic sports. The Olympic Committee has a list of, of, of people, of uh, participants in, in these sports that are under monitoring. And the USADA monitors these people basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That doesn't mean they, they know where they are. They, 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 they know where they are. I shouldn't say they don't know where they do know where they are. They're supposed to be. Uh, required to, to inform them if they're going on vacation, if they're not going to be in their usual place, because they are under, um, they can be under surveillance and they can also be tested at any time. But we're talking about 190, 200 people. They certainly aren't, aren't following LeBron James around. <laughs> so No way, no how. How many Olympic level athletes really exist in this country? Proven, proven, probably half that Olympic number. caliber athletes, right? 
Think of how many horses are going to run in stakes alone this weekend. Just just this weekend in stake races. Not even talking about uh, all the other races. Probably that same number. Yep, a couple hundred. Probably that same number. All throughout the country. And that's my problem, is that maybe they're good at what they do, but they've never done this. And the funding and, and it's, it's just it's just such a nebulous thing and then we don't know who's going to be in charge of what and you know everybody but alan formal was on c big show today and he was like well you know the template rah, 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 i'm thinking to myself man you drank the kool-aid <laughs> sounds, sounds good, good but, but not in reality what are they gonna tell you they're trying to get the thing passed and it's been passed with such nebulous language that the decisions that are going to be made and then, you know, the idea that, oh, we have to kiss everyone's butt so that we can be on the, you know, one of the people that, that can help educate the committee. Well, why should we have to kiss someone's ass? If I know more than, than, than 99% of people in the business, what difference does it make what my attitude is? I know. These other people are guessing. And I'm not advocating for me to be on any boards, trust me. That, that, that would probably be a bad but what I'm saying is that yes. people like me should be the ones that they come to for the information so they can get the actual story, the real information, not the secondhand information. If you're a member of the jockey club, you're almost assuredly getting second, third, fourth hand information because you don't see those people. You don't see those people on the ground. They're not where we are or we've been. They don't hear the actual, they, they hear the rumors. We all hear rumors. There's been a million rumors. And, and most racetrack rumors are wrong. They're not right. And that's the scary thing for me, for the business. And I, I get it. Everybody wants effective regulation. We want don't want the bad guys to be involved. Nobody doesn't want that except for the bad guys. I just wonder how the hell we're going to get this thing done and have it work. I have got well, it, it's clear that it's an endeavor that that needs to be thought out more. They can't just turn around and say, "Hey, we're going to pass this law and this is going to go into effect." It's it's got to be that's years. How, that's, that seems honestly. to be how it was done, and that seems to be how a lot of federal right. bills get passed these days. And that let's pass the bill and figure out the details. Oh, it's how right, reverse it's engineering how it. <laughs> yeah, you know, reverse engineered page it. document that they draw up, and all of a sudden, you know, people are voting on it without having read it, and and that's the problem. All I want is to know that the people are going to who are going to make these choices, make these decisions, come up with these rules, are are going to come up with rules that 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 are are not going to hurt the game. Because you can make a rule. Look at the whip rules. Look at, oh. the, look at the debacle that the whip rules have become. And again, it's a debacle. It's a debacle. They're, they're so much different from place to place to place. Depending on where you're watching a race, we've, we've you know, uh, some of the places have bad rules. And you could, argument would be, well, you know, they're going to be have to be the same rule. Well, if we if we enact the bad rule, then we got the bad rule everywhere, and that, and that that goes for all of the other rules. Strict doesn't always mean good. 
And I just fear, Barry, that we're going to get some rules that sound good on paper, but the practicality of them are, are not really effective. I, the TDN had a piece the other day. It was just ludicrous about, oh, Lasix off doesn't seem to be affecting the derby preps. And use known agenda. Horses <laughs> ran six times. It was on Lasix once in a short field against allowance horses. Uh, that is, is kind of like, you know, it, it's, it's got zero to do with anything. Nothing. What about the ones that bled that no one will talk about? What about those? No one wants to talk about that. And that's the thing is no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to go on record. Nobody wants to have bloodstock that bleeds nowadays because that's like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like a, a scarlet letter. Right, the, fa- the so fatal flaw. So you think we're, we're doing things to increase transparency, and we actually probably might be doing the opposite. Because now no one's going to admit their horse bled. There are very few people, especially if, if they have potential to be a stallion, especially if they have the potential to be a big broodmare, a big-time you know, broodmare type. No one's going to want to admit that, which sucks. And, and it, it sucks that horses have to, have to be made the... the you know, the scapegoat, because honestly, no Lasix isn't going to cause any dramatic increase in handle. It's going to, no, it just isn't. That makes no sense to think it would, and and the horses are the ones that pay for it. And that's the, that's the thing, you know, to try to, and I, and I knew it would happen. I knew that there'd be people trying to say, oh, well, look, you know, like horses aren't dropping dead in the race. Well, there's a lot of horses running bad in races, <laughs> You know, <laughs> look at the Florida. Okay, super. The first three, uh, you could. It was a search warrant to find the rest of them. You don't think a couple of them, three, four, five of them, didn't bleed in that race to some degree? Did you hear about any of them? No. Well, who, who's going to ask the question? That's the other thing. We we have very little independent media. The media we have in the ba- in this business mostly works for for racetracks or for ADWs. So. They're not going to ask the tough questions. It's it's, uh, It's quite a conundrum. I hate to sound so somber, but man. No, it's not somber. I mean, it's just the reality. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, if if it weren't that way, you wouldn't be saying this. It's, you know, um, it's just unfortunate that these the people that are sharper or in the know don't have a strong voice or don't get a voice in in the room when dealing with people that make these kind of decisions and the people that make these kind of decisions should be smart enough to understand that they need help to alleviate the situation and ask for it from the people in the know but instead they just go ahead and make decisions that affect other people, you know, in all aspects of the sport without knowing the ramifications. There's always a ripple effect. No, it's, it's, it's the truth. And there's never been a business or industry that needed a summit meeting worse than this one. Man, you ain't lying. <laughs> that is the truth. And it, it's... I'll tell you, it's great for, for having podcasts because there's always some stories. 
Oh, there's, there's fodder always, everywhere. Every week. Yeah, exactly. There's always some kind of controversial crap that, that, that happens. But, um, you know, it's... I just don't have any faith anymore. And, and I, I hate that. I hate the fact that I don't have faith in, in hardly anyone in this business because a lot of the guys that are, are sharp guys that, that have good ideas, their hands are tied, depending on, on where they're working, what position they're in, their hands are tied. And some of the guys that have, um, have, have a little more authority or power than they should are, are, are buffoons. So it's just, it's just so difficult to, to see. And, uh, you know, the, like you try to take a global view, right? Um, you look at it from all the, all the different prisms that you would look through, see where everyone is, is, is looking at the business from. And, uh, I just think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of uh, things that just still aren't being addressed because people just haven't taken it seriously. And, uh, and that's a problem. It's like the Knicks losing to the Timberwolves tonight. That's a problem. Oh, that's a huge problem. You know, Thibodeau's a good coach and all, but, man, he's a little bit overrated. And it's, it's, it's insistent. A little distance on using <laughs> Alfred Payton. Come on already. Man. But that ship has kind of sailed. The Alfred Payton ship. I wish it would sail with him on it. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, why are you so hard on Alfred Payton? Why? Because he stinks. That's usually the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. We're, we're... <laughs> someone said to me today, uh, the NBA season's almost over, right? I said, well, depends on what you you know. Like for the Magic, it's over. <laughs> but yeah. it, it depends on on, on your, your version of over because um, uh, there's a. Pretty long ways to go. They're going to play into July this year. Yeah. Two more months. Yeah, we're going to get some July basketball. Uh, the finals, if it, if it plays out, um, might be like three days before the Olympic basketball first round starts, if we have the Olympics. Ugh. You know, it's interesting. Dr. Allen, who is um, my friend, uh, he's a long, long time racetrack vet. He is the official veterinarian for the Israeli uh, equestrian team. And he huh. told me a couple weeks ago that they're requiring everyone, uh, the staff and everyone involved to go to the dentist. <laughs> and they have to get a, a, a dentist to okay, you know, have this big long form to okay them to go over there because supposedly they're not going to have any dentists available in um you know the village where where they're going to have to stay i guess everything's going to be quarantined and... yeah That's crazy. Like, well, what if like you know i mean how many people like have proactive dentistry work you know i mean dentist work is free I mean, who knows when you're going to get a root you know and they uh, you know knock a tooth out or, or you're going to 
you know, get a toothache or something. I mean, th- those things usually aren't, uh, they usually don't, you don't see them coming, right? So I thought it was, I thought it was kind of interesting that, that uh, they're re- literally requiring people to go to the dentist and have the dentist check off. <laughs> I would have, I would have, if it was a physical, it would have made more sense, but. Right. It was like dentist. Yeah. Huh. But That's little facts that you find out, you know, you, 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 little factoids that may interest no one else but me. Yeah. It, Nugget of you know, knowledge. If you are uh, on the Olympic team or you're part of the entourage, you have to get the okay from your dentist. So, yeah, kind of, kind of weird. But uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like the Olympics is it's held in Japan this year. It sounds like it's. The, you know they're they're moving towards uh, holding it. So um, I saw something the other day too. It kind of freaked me out. LA twenty eight. I was like, "What's LA twenty eight? You know the Olympics are in LA in, in two thousand. Yeah, twenty twenty eight. Yeah. I mean, there's probably about a twelve twelve percent chance I'll still be alive in twenty twenty eight. But um, I, I I was thinking, man, I remember the last time the Olympics were in LA. <laughs> 84, uh, right? Was it 84 or 80? Wasn't that the year of the, the boycott? It was Wasn't 84. The the Remember the Russian boycott? 80, boycott? 80 was in Moscow, I thought. No, they, they boycotted. Yeah, you're right. But it wasn't. I think that was, was somewhere Bruce else. Jenner. <laughs> Bruce Jenner. I think it was Bruce 84. Jenner. Because my dad went in 88 to Korea. So I know he was with the men's uh, basketball team. So I know I know eighty eight was in Korea for sure. Yeah. Trust me, I hear about it all the time. That was Flojo, right? Nineteen eighty eight. Yes. Yes. And man, that uh eighty eight was also when um Ben Johnson, ben Johnson got disqualified. Yeah. Trust me, I, I know it. My dad has has a, you know old school the slides. Um, he has a slideshow from all the pictures he took over there and in the DM yep. you know demilitarized zone and all that kind of stuff. He he did the whole gambit, man. Uh, you only go to Korea once, right? Yeah, for, for him, yes. I I've not I've not I've not attended the the Korean Peninsula, but uh, I've I've watched Mash a bunch of times. I feel like <laughs> same thing. There. thought that was really kind of crazy you have to have the dentist sign off but uh yeah whatever they should have they should have horse racing in the olympics yeah breeders cup <laughs> every year except no international horses yeah, show yeah right um, international contingent you know they show up for the two-year-old races it's funny that that how many Europeans ship over for the two-year races? The two-year races are really popular. I'm telling you, the Europeans are going to clean up again this year. Air forces. Oh stink. yeah. I, oh, we forgot Channelmaker in the other day. <laughs> we. That's those are those are those are fighting I words. <laughs> I know he won the Eclipse Award, but it's... <laughs> oof. Those are shit. He just spit it out at the top of the stretch. Just, we're done here. Well, listen, he had his good months, and and, and uh, it got him a close award. You know, Riddick Bowe was the heavyweight championship of the world. Uh, champion of the world. 
So was Buster well, Douglas. Well, we're both actually pretty good. Buster Douglas, yeah. Buster Douglas was the heavyweight champ for a little while. Andrew Ruiz was the heavyweight champ for a little while. Billy ate oh, himself yeah. out Pudgy. of uh... He's too many Snickers bars, bro. He's in shape now, though, supposedly. But, uh, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think the Europeans are going to come over and whip our butts. Uh, well, let, let's let's put all of them on the ticket this time. I'm not going to not leave one out. <laughs> Order of Australia who probably hasn't won a race. Hasn't probably hasn't done anything since then. They might have retired him, figuring it was he was going out on top. I think he came back in a in a synthetic race. Probably got beat. I think he did, actually. Like Wolverhampton or somewhere. Yes. It's hard to believe, but the Derby is a month away. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's the first of Let me ask. Tomorrow is the first of uh, of April. So Yeah. And you know you know how I know this is uh Sabria thinks that April's Fool's Day has something to do with puns. And the only pun that she knows has something to do with eggs. So she says, hey, I'm excited <laughs> that it's April 1st. And that's all she knows. That's that's what I have to deal with at night, man. Does she like her shoes? That's the question. Loves the shoes. It's good. good. It's amazing that we, we wound up with the... I know, it's just dumb it's luck. one and everything. Well, that's good. I'm happy that she likes the shoes. But uh, Barry, again, uh, my eternal thank you for coming on and being my co-host. And uh, even though we had to delay a couple days due to the festivities at the pomp, worth it. This was a good show. I mean, you know, I'm not one to not tout our shows, but. I think th- this one is probably one we'll of give my ourselves favorites. A little self congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent show, old chap. Excellent show. <laughs> Bloody good. I got my monocle on so you can tell. I'm going to give my Michael Rona racing. Racing. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, uh, I used to try to make fun of Andy Byer. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> it's tough. He's tough. <laughs> uh, I think I'm punch drunk. Too much. I've been here too long today. <laughs> yeah, my Michael Rona is on point. I do it all the time. Very nice. Racing. Yeah, at the start. <laughs> uh, well, again, as always, thank you for your time and your. Your your willingness to be frank, not frank. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say my name's not Frank, not today not at frank, least. Maybe tomorrow. Frank Kaminsky, <laughs> or another big stiff, but uh, Frank Miramati, the great Frank. Now he's got all the impressions. Nah, you know what? I gotta have Frank Miramati on. I, I, I put, please I, I do. put a little pressure on him. My man Joe is kind of like you know squeezing him. Like I gotta like maybe buy him like free pizzas. Some pizza. Yeah, but like, yeah, but but we know he listens because we got some. I some, just want some inside information through 
through the grapevine, the grapevine. that he was he Some was you know asking questions. I just want I just want him on to do to do impersonations. I'm He's sure like he the Frank Caliendo of, of horse racing. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Just as funny as well. I want, I want him. I want, I want him on to do. Uh, I got, I got to make the big push again for him. We got, his, we got some people. Up. is over soon, right? Um, I don't even know. I don't even remember. I don't, I don't even know what the schedule is anymore. <laughs> I don't think they know either. Uh, yeah, they're not going to Hollywood Park. That's for sure. Dang it! Oh. That hurts. It does hurt. It does hurt, but life goes on. Sure does. Now it's the home of Matthew Stafford. Mm. Stupid. Matthew Stafford. Stupid. The, the, damn. Matthew Stafford, the Corey Lannery of, of, of football. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, Hey man, Corey's all good in my book, man. He 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 got me a couple of uh, a couple of rainbow sixes when it counted. So he's he's all good with me. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just you know, it's, I don't think I don't think Matthew's going to turn into to Irad or Joel Nelly. Uh, I just don't see it happening. You never know. You never know. So. We'll be back next week. Of course, the Going in Circles Digest. If you want winners, subscribe. It's free. And you get... No doubt. We we give them out. I give you kind of cool videos and stuff like that. I mean, come on, man. You know what video you got to put up there is the uh, Ready's Echo Maiden or... Maiden race, his first race. Ready's Echo, the Ready, the Ready's Echo video of the week. And Barry, you're going to give us selections, right, for the Derby Prep? Yes, I will. I think I think everybody on the planet knows that I'm going to be on prevalence, but I'll give that one too. All right, we'll give that one out. We'll do. You got two other ones, and uh, so Going Circles Digest. If you see it on social media, subscribe. Hit the button. It'll get sent directly to your inbox, and, and you can get all the information. And you can give direct feedback also. You can tell me I suck if you want. I don't care. As long as you're <laughs> saying something, we're happy. Yes, feedback is always is always fine. And uh, you can you can contact us, the Going in Circles podcast at Gmail. Um, profanity is, is, is okay there. Preferred, actually. Preferred. One guy told me I sucked one day. He told me my interview skills were no good. And I said, well, it's not really an interview. It's more of a conversation. And he kind of kept giving it to me. I said, listen, buddy, I'm not Mike Wallace. And this thing's 60 minutes. And if you don't like it, don't listen, buddy. And uh, he probably doesn't listen anymore. But, yeah, he was just kind of unruly. I'm not really sure why he was so upset. <laughs> yeah, that's always, I mean, you go on Twitter for five minutes. And you're like, why is everybody so mad? Yeah, he said he sent me a, a an email back and forth and back and forth. And he was from Michigan, and I said something about how Ohio State beats him in football every week, and Harbaugh sucks. And oh, I think that was it. That, I think that yeah, that was that, a, that was the last. Straw. I think I think that finished him off. But no, it's fine. I, I honestly, the I get a lot of feedback, and 
um, like we're not looking for people just to like, you know, say, oh, you're great, you're great. Uh, and honestly, people ask questions and, and uh, sometimes it's stuff that isn't really topical, but, you know, I always try to help someone um, because there's there's things that come on. Someone called me or they texted me one time about a, a license issue that they were having and I, I got them, uh, honestly, I never heard back from them, so I'm assuming I got them in front Fixed of up. people. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, For the toolbox, we do everything here. The game's confusing sometimes. And, and, uh, you know, there's no question that's a, a bad question. And, and, yeah, feedback is fine. If you want us to do something different or talk to someone or talk about something, just say it. Like, we have no yeah. problems. We take suggestions. The suggestion box is open. So Dave Spears is going home tomorrow. So South Florida, the curfew will be lifted. And... <laughs> I think they had it there just for him. Pretty much, <laughs> they knew. Pretty much. He's going home on April Fool's Day, which in itself is kind of a... It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'll be depositing him over at the Fort Lauderdale Airport tomorrow morning very early. So, New York, he's your problem again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd test him. Maybe not for coronavirus, but for... For some other communicable <laughs> for all kinds of things, bro. <laughs> yeah. My man is a peachy dish. <laughs> hey, listen, he was on his best behavior. He only got thrown out of the paddock once on Saturday. And uh, yeah, because they didn't let him back in. Yeah, you know, he did sell my shirt, which you know, I didn't get any money from it. That's impressive, actually. I know. I, well, who knew that my clothes were worth so much? Gotta reevaluate. No kidding. <laughs> all right, Barry. It's been great. All right. As usual. Uh, we'll talk this week. And, and again, if you have feedback, give it to us. We want to hear it. Yeah. Even if you think we suck, we're cool with it. Hey, everyone. I want to talk to you about BRL Equine. BRL Equine is a company that would be considered by most the premier equine supplement company in horse racing. They spent a lot of money, millions, on, on research and development before they put these products out. This is not uh, a fly-by-night organization just tossing some couple things together and, and throwing it out there. The, they use FDA-supervised facilities. What they say is in the products is actually in the products. Nothing illegal, nothing illicit. It's perfectly legal, and it's beneficial for your horse's health. They have a new product called Flexify that's been only uh, out on the market for, I think, about six weeks. And the early returns are great. I know a lot of trainers that have given me feedback, and these are guys that are going to tell me the truth. Um, There's a million supplements out there, a lot of things that people have tried that haven't really been effective. And so far, everyone seems to really believe that Flexify HA is, is, a, is a really excellent uh, supplement to help the horse's joints. Contact my friend Joe Vellante at 215-501-6880 or get a hold of me at goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com and I will get Joe in touch with you. And uh, if you're lucky, you might even get him for a lunch. 
But BRL Equine is a really good company and they have some really, really good supplements. And if you're an owner, ask your trainer. If you're a trainer, give Joe a call. Thanks.